It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
you are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Be sure to visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. It's your one-stop shop for all your fancy, customized, and creative Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find these products anywhere else. Best part of all is that the products are all built right here in the USA. Um, be sure to type in promo code MTGA for 15% off your first order. Um, God bless you. God bless America. Cheers, everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. I would like to introduce to you my company, MakingChristianityGreatAgain.com. Again, that's MakingChristianityGreatAgain.com. It's dedicated to President Donald J. Trump and all of us, all of his fellow Christian supporters. President Donald J. Trump has officially restored the Christian faith and has given it back to the American people. We've never had any president in the history of politics give as much praise and love to Christianity the way President Donald J. Trump has. Traditional and signature values have never been more stronger and effective until now. We are, all, we are all highly grateful and fortunate that God blessed us with the profound presence and holiness of President Donald J. Trump. Let us, let us all continue to pray for the freedom, safety, and security of President Donald J. Trump. God is good. And please remember, we have many deals on the website. We have many customized, creative, and very unique uh, religious-oriented uh, Trump uh, uh, shirts and merchandise. Uh, I am sure you guys are all going to love it, um, and uh, check it out. Yeah, and let, let me know your thoughts. Uh, I've been getting a lot of people buying shirts, and they're uh, enjoying it, and what the, uh, what the you know, brand stands for, what it represents. It's really a beautiful thing. It's a great time to be alive, folks. Uh, God bless all of you, and uh, God bless America. Yeah. 
guy in the media, uh, knows a lot of stuff, has a lot of good insight. We reported about a lot of different stuff on, on Friday. Uh, there was a lot to cover. Obviously, this weekend, you know, a lot happened. Uh, you know, a lot went on, a lot occurred. So, you know, there's definitely um, a lot to get to that I didn't get to last episode that I will get to today, as well as a bunch of other stuff that has piled up. I mean, there's so much to discuss, so much to go over. Um, talk about and really discuss that I didn't that I didn't get a chance to talk about on Friday is I saw the movie and, and a lot of people are talking about it the critics uh, Chappaquiddick uh, Chappaquiddick which is uh, for anybody that doesn't know um, I'm getting, just making sure people are uh, connected I got people on the line correct Stephen. Uh, Steve Emery, Bikers for Trump, and Mike Zolo, right, on the line? What's yeah, up, Roy, Steve Emery in Arizona. How are you, my man? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Good to have you on. Um, so what, on. what I was talking about, what I was talking about, Steve, I, I didn't get to it on Friday, but I saw the movie Chappaquiddick, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, Steve. Ted Kennedy yeah. scandal from the from the late night. Uh, it was in 1969. The event occurred. And we all know what happened. He drove off the bridge. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many different theories on on what went on, you know, what occurred, uh, you know, different things that, um, you know, could, you know, happened. I mean, there's so many different stories. One story was, you know, the woman, Mary Jo, Mary jo um, Cope, I, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting her last name off the top of my head. But anyway, she was the person that died in the car. But now there's there's so many different rumors that she was in the back seat and sleeping, and there was a, uh, a politician's wife in the front seat that was having an affair with Ted Kennedy, and they didn't want anybody to know about it. So the, 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 there's and in the in the purse of the politician's wife was found in the front seat, not the purse of the woman that died in the car. So two people escaped out of that car when the story only told that it was only Mary Jo and Ted Kennedy. But in reality, Mary Jo was asleep in the back seat, and the politician's wife was in the front seat. That's a, that's a, uh, a source that came from TMZ and the uh, CIA um, representative that's close to Harvey Levin. Who, who Har- obviously, you know who Harvey Levin is. He owns TMZ, and he's very reliable when he reports. But it's just crazy, um, this whole scandal. And obviously, we know 
it prevented Ted Kennedy from becoming president. Um, he, he would have became president if this wouldn't have happened. He would have he would have served and he would have became got in in 1972. But um, I mean, it, it's just it, it's a crazy story. It absolutely blew my mind in a lot of ways when I watched the movie. You know, like what I just said, they were telling the wrong story. Because if you're having CIA operatives saying there were three people in that car, including that politician's wife in the front seat, and not the woman that they said, Mary Jo. I mean, it's crazy. And, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff about this on Alex Jones and InfoWars and and different media outlets. Um, But, you know, to to this day, um, you know, people really don't know exactly what happened. There's a lot of strong theories, like I said. Uh, but obviously, Ted Kennedy got, Ted Kennedy got off, um, and he, he did, was still senator. He was one of the longest-serving senators before he died in 2008. So I think like fi- almost 50 years or 50 years or more or something. But um, just a crazy story in general. I just wanted to share it. It just it blows my mind these kind of mysteries when you when you really like don't you don't really know for sure what happened. Like he, he and he walked away from the scene and didn't report it until nine hours later. That's another thing that fucking blows my mind, that the guy walked free. I mean, I get he's a Kennedy. He's John F. Kennedy's brother. But still, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, 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 there's so many uh, ins and outs and, and different, different things about this case that don't add up. It, it's, it's, it's a lot like these cases with Vegas and other things that don't add up. And a lot of it seems like it's, um, you know, just uh, – just a lot of bullshit, and it directly correlates with the with the current situations we have, like you said, in Las Vegas, Parkland shootings, the mysterious yeah. deaths under Hillary Clinton, and and the connection between the deep state and our and our intelligence community, whether it be the CIA or FBI or whatever, uh, it's been going on forever. The relationship has been there, and it's always always been supported by the uh, corrupt media, if you notice. So, yeah, they're all in bed together. It's ugly. It's been going on a long time. It really it really has. You're absolutely right, Steve. And um, if you're just joining us, I believe, um, who, who am I, who's on the line right now? I just call her in. This is James Sharma. Thanks for having me. Hey, what's up, James? James from Seattle. What's going on? Have you been listening? I've been uh, talking about this Chappaquiddick. I saw the movie, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the scandal, but it's uh, uh, Ted Kennedy when he when he drove. Uh, I am. The, okay, okay, you're familiar with it. Okay, I was just making sure. So you know, you know yeah, the, the, the Kennedys those... are one of the biggest embarrassments. You know, Joe Kennedy used to share a woman with his son Jack Kennedy, and uh, it was just spoiled rich kids from New England. I mean, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though. Here, here's the thing. I do believe a lot of the Ted, and, and and I want everybody to, to pitch in on this. I believe JFK was a great was a great president. I believe he was a Republican. I believe JFK was the only Kennedy. Yes, he was he was self indulged. You know, he liked his put. He liked his pussy. He liked his cocktails. He liked his you know all all of what he liked. But at the same time, before he was assassinated, if you look at what he did with his agenda. It was it was basically what the Republicans are doing today. I mean, a lot of it was reducing taxes, uh, anti-abortion, um, a lot of conservative values that definitely represent 
what, what we, you know, what we talk about today. But the other Kennedys, I would say, flaming Democrats. Like you, you just couldn't trust them. Um, anybody that's, can pitch in at any time. I just wanted to say that. That's the uh, that's the old Democrat Party. No, no more exactly. Democrats there, like there, JFK exist. Yeah, there's Dude, never been a we, Democrat like JFK since ever. I mean, Kennedy you know knew that a female was dead for nine hours and did not call the police. You have to come from a very entitled. I can't even describe. What I know Ted Kennedy did. Yeah. By. Yeah. To to do that, that is just beyond appalling. It's beyond appalling. Oh. Oh yeah, and and we and and it was established in the movie that Ted Kennedy was the guy. I mean, he was like the black sheep of the family. He was the rebel. He was the one that was the alcoholic, drank all the time, would you know get in the car, drive under the influence. He was senator, gotten got a lot of things covered up for him, you know. But he was also known, I guess, to the liberal society as, as doing some good stuff. You know, they say Ted Ted Kennedy. You know, Ted Kennedy was a long-serving senator for the liberal community, but he's so, he's so much different and you can't even compare him to his brother, JFK. They're it's like apples and oranges. No comparison. Well, he's a classic and, example of a modern liberal who just treats women like shit in his personal life, you know, and then, and then yeah. tries to justify it with his policies, you know, and it's just like, it's disgusting. <laughs> mm. Did you any comments? Uh, are you asking me, to- Boy? What? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of talk about the similarities with Trump, even Reagan and JFK. And if you look at all three of them, they all talked, um, they all talked in a way that the common man, an American woman could understand. They they all talked in layman's terms almost. They yeah. spoke like Americans. They also, all of them, they also all discussed corruption within the government. And I don't know if you know it, but right. before JFK was assassinated, like about three weeks before he was assassinated, he was, he was getting ready to expose some of the corruption in government. Exactly. I.e. the deep state. Yep. You know what I mean? And and you got to remember also, uh, Reagan got shot. That was attempted murder. You know, he survived, but he hold on, guys. shot. Hold on, guys. We got another caller on the line. Let me answer this and see what's going on. Hold on. Hello, you're on the Rory Show. Hey. show. What's going on? Who am I speaking Hey, with? Rory. It's Tim Pichote. What's up? Hey, Tim. How you doing, buddy? Hey, doing good. How are you? How are you guys? Do- doing well. Everybody, this is uh, this is Tim Tim Picote from Phoenix. Hey Tim, up, Tim what's up? I just uh, I just caught the last twenty seconds with you guys talking about Reagan getting shot. So uh, seems like we're on a pretty interesting story already. We're talking about JFK. We're talking about JFK and Reagan. Yeah, well, uh, JFK was shot shortly after he uh, he made a video. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it's on YouTube where he talks about secret societies and essentially what you'd call the deep state today. And he warns of this uh, deep state. And I think it was given at Yale. You can, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, he also gave an executive order. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. It's like one, one, zero, one. It's, it's not like ones and zeros regarding having silver being legal tender. And 
so essentially, because your dollar, if you look at it, at the top says Federal Reserve note, and the ones that he switched over it said silver note. So his would be redeemable in silver versus being redeemable uh, in nothing. And so that is what the deep state fears the most, and he was shot quickly uh, after that. And you had Andrew Jackson also was attempted to be assassinated twice after he ended the second Central Bank of America. Uh, so you, you do see a common thread of people that tried ending uh, central banking getting shot. Same thing actually with uh, Lincoln. He said, I've got an army in front of me. That's the South, and I have an army of central banker, Europeans at my, European bankers at my rear, and I far more fear the army at my rear. Uh, you had the first central bank of America end in 1812, at which point was openly owned by the British, and then the British came down, came over here and burned on the White House. So uh, central banking has always been very important to the globalists, and uh, sorry for hijacking the conversation, but uh, that's uh, a little no, brief you're right on. Bring up a good point. Hey, you're right on, Tim, and you make a good point. Right on, buddy. And, and you know what else, Tim? Uh, Russia, you know, we've got the so inclined and in the, in the globalist left trying to, you know, get us in a war with Russia, if you look at Russia, now I'm no fan of Putin, but if you look at Russia, they're primarily a Christian sovereign nation. And you know what else they are? They're enemy of the New World Order, and they have kicked the central banking out and anything connected with the Rothschilds. Put, put it yep. in, it's not rocket science, uh, man. Central I know, banking, I think, I think, exactly. Uh, one similarity between Trump and Kennedy is they both have a lot of enemies. Uh, Kennedy went after the mob. Um, it's possible that he was killed by the Russians. It's possible that he was killed by LBJ. I mean, he had multiple enemies that wanted him dead. I think LBJ. And, I uh, think LBJ set it up. I'm not going to even try to guess who killed him. I just know he had multiple enemies. But you know, in you Texas, got... LBJ had connections in Texas. But I mean, I mean, there's just so many, there's so many possible actors that could have done it. Now, now I want to ask all of you because I just, if you really go look back in history, I want everybody to like give give their input on this because if you really go look back in history and how envious LBJ was of JFK and just the total opposite point of views with their political beliefs, if you really look back, LBJ couldn't stand JFK and was out for him. He had it out for him. I'm not, and this is this is not made up. I mean, they were they. They were polar opposites. Yeah, and LBJ, and LBJ wanted the war in Vietnam, and basically Kennedy said, over my dead body, which is exactly what happened. There's also a lot of evidence to suggest that George H.W. Bush had his fingerprints all over that assassination as well. Yep. Uh, he and lied he about the CIA. CIA at the time. Yeah. Yeah, which he, which he lied about uh, saying that he was never a former CIA. Uh, so you know, how do you become – the director of the CIA, having never been a part of the CIA before. I mean, it's it, the CIA is the deep state. I think yep. Trump made a big mistake trying to play ball with a lot of these people, trying to trying to take the high road, trying to keep your enemies close, closer. And uh, but these are enemies who will stab you in the back. These are enemies who will kill you. And uh, I think he's he's in a tough spot because you know I I see him trying to appease you know the neocons because you know maybe he's thinking okay well if I give them you know give them this you know, little, you know, these breadcrumbs over here, then maybe they'll leave me alone. But, you know, they're not going to leave you alone. They want you out of there. They want you dead, and they're just trying to run out the clock until you're not there anymore. Yep. 
Well, uh, and we, if you uh, guys if you guys it. look at the omnibus om, omnibus bill that was pushed through, uh, that included funding through the fiscal year of Mueller's uh, Russia probe. Did you guys know that? Which is another reason why it was pushed through. Uh, what was it? Twenty three hundred and seventy six pages. Uh, they had nobody got to read it, and the ones that did only had twenty four hours to read it. In that in that omnibus spending bill. They provided funding for Mueller for the end of the fiscal year. They're trying to drag it out to get them out. Huh? It's it, it, it's absolutely it's absolutely disgraceful. And I want to play Comey's tapes real quick. I mean this this guy is a complete. I mean, it, it's the national disgrace. It it, it disgusts. It really it really disgusts me. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the clip here in a second, but. I mean, the stuff he's coming out and saying that, you know, Trump treats women like a piece of meat. I mean, maybe I mean, Trump treats women with great respect. He hires all his employees are mostly women. Uh, he named the first African-American women uh, to the military. Yep. I mean, you think of, like, I mean, you think about all the stuff that he's coming out with. Uh, I don't know if Trump uh, peed on prostitutes. You know, I just can't say I'm quite sure about that. I mean, just the stupid answers Comey's coming out with. It's ridiculous, man. Come on. And then, and then the funny, the funniest one was when when they asked him, "Hey, do you think uh, President Trump was involved with the mob?" I can't say so for sure, but at times he was sure acting like it. He said something like that. Well, you know, liberals. Yeah, well, they well the real mob, the, the real mob is the federal like government. That. Yeah, you know Comey's wife. You know Comey's wife, along with. She Andrew said you wanted Hillary. She said you wanted Hillary. Yeah, they were they were up front in the women's march. They were hardcore leftists. So. Oh, absolutely, Mike Zolo. What's up, Mike Zolo? You got comments on this? I know you do, buddy. Come on. <laughs> My man, my my New Jersey brother, my New Jersey brother. Well, well, listen, listen. I just I gotta go back for a second because I'm gonna. I heard um, our guest say something about Trump appeasing the neoconservatives. I have to. I'm sorry. I don't want to make this about Syria, but I I have who, to. Who? Who? Tim? Tim? Yeah. Talking about Tim? Okay. Yeah. All right, you guys. Okay. All right. All right. So I just I just look. Trump is not a neoconservative, and this notion that lobbing some airstrikes into Syria makes Donald Trump, uh, you know, this neocon is absurd. I guarantee you, I promise you, this was Donald Trump's decision. Yeah, I'm sure people are advising him, of course, but Donald Trump does not get played by people. I'm telling you, Syria will not go further. He will not go further. It will be these airstrikes, and that's it. And again... If I'm wrong, and if Donald Trump puts a mass, if we get into a massive ground war with Syria, I will be vehemently against it. But I, I just, I'm getting so tired of like, you know, airstrikes. It's like all of a sudden we're in World War Three. Like Alex Jones is going crazy about it. We're not in World War Three. Calm down. It was airstrikes. They were pre- precision strikes, and I think everybody needs to relax. So I'm not, I'm not saying Tim is like. You know, going crazy. I'm just, I just heard him say the neoconservative thing. Donald Trump is not an isolationist. He's not a neoconservative. 
he leaves with peace through strength. That's my opinion on it. So that's what I wanted to say on that. Hey, Mike, do you support the airstrikes? Yep. You do support the airstrikes? Correct. Um, are you Christian? Wait, can, I, can, I just respond, can, I, can I respond first since I was the, I was the one yeah, getting yeah, yeah, uh, called you Go ahead, Kim. Yeah. First off, I did not say that he was a neocon. I was saying that he was doing things that have to <laughs> throw them a bone to appease the neocons. Yeah. Uh, do you right. know who Scooter Libby is? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, part and, of exchange. Yeah, and, 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 and Scooter Libby. Scooter Libby <laughs> is basically like the you know second in command of the of the neocons. I mean, basically as neocon as it gets. So I mean, okay. I was saying he's throwing bones to the neocons, and this, and I mean, what if it comes out? Uh, you know, let's say three weeks from now, or a month from now, or two years from now, sure. that. Uh, that these air raids, they're not the air raids, that this uh, chemical weapon attack, what if it came out that it was actually the rebels that did it? What if it came out like the first two attacks, that it was the Free Syrian Army? And we, this actually has to get back totally up a little agree. bit because it was John McCain, it was John McCain and Hillary Clinton and Obama who wanted to free Correct. the Free Syrian Army, who wanted to free Al Nusra Front, who were directly affiliated with Al Qaeda. And these were the quote unquote good guys Modern that we were funding rebels. after we. Yeah, the moderate rebels. After we had already, after we'd already screwed things up in Libya, and I'm not going to get into that whole cluster, you know what? But then the bombs went from wep- there's weapons depots in Benghazi that then got shipped into Turkey that then made its way into Al Qaeda affiliates that we were backing in uh, in Syria, and then it came out that the first two gas attacks were actually done by the rebels, and that didn't get reported on the news. Uh, never got backtracked, and uh, so all this is. Re- then it's very, you know, convenient that you know the first gas attack happened. I don't know when it was, like four or five years ago. It happened, uh, you know, the week that the UN weapons inspectors show up. I mean, who would be dumb enough to wait till exactly the UN weapons inspectors to show up to then bomb, to then do a gas attack? And now you've got Trump saying that he's that he's going to leave on I think it was like April 4th. You've got Russia talking about pulling out, and then can, right as we, we we're about to pull out. Conveniently, there's another gas attack. I mean, the odds of it being done by Assad are slim to none. And this is, and huh? Trump knows this. Trump, Trump tweeted out probably 50 times what a dumb idea it is to go to war in Syria, what a dumb idea it is to launch missiles into Syria, what a dumb idea it is to get involved over there. So I'm not the one okay. changing my attitude. It's Donald Trump that's changing, not me. And what, and I represent. So just a little quick background. I'm not some Trump hater. I spent uh, three months before the election, basically took took off from work had a Facebook yep. page that was reaching over a million people a week, uh, stood in line with Rory, that's where I met him, outside of uh, yep. a Trump rally when it was 100, like, uh, probably 105 degrees out for 12 hours yep. to be as close to him as you could possibly get. I, uh, I reached out to the libertarians and was convincing libertarians why they should vote for Donald Trump. I was reaching out to independents why they should vote for Donald Trump. I was reaching out to Republicans why they should give Trump a chance. And so now it's going to be very, very hard for me to convince these people when I look back and say, uh, yeah, you should vote for the Republicans because they're going to lower the debt. Oh, wait, they just passed a $1.3 trillion omnibus spending bill. Oh, wait, they're about to rack up a trillion-dollar deficit this year. Oh, wait, they've actually suspended the debt ceiling. Oh, wait, all the, all the fake job numbers that he was talking about as a candidate, he's now embracing. Uh, you know, the central banking, he's installed basically a clone of Janet Yellen. These are very, very hard things. For me to have to then go back to the libertarian community, because the fact of the matter is, if you don't have people like Alex Jones on board, which he actually backtracked a lot of the things that he said today, uh, that he said on Friday today during the show, 
Uh, he he had done a that was after a 36 hour broadcast to try to stop this war. I mean, Alex Jones yeah, did almost well, more than anybody to help Trump yeah. get elected. Uh, people like Mike Cernovich, people like Stefan Molyneux, uh, Lauren Ingram, Tucker Carlson. You're not going to win the election in 2020 if you don't have them on board. And so he's thrown a lot more bones to the neocons than he has to the people that helped okay. get him on board. You know, right, let me just respond. I, believe in, let me, I yeah. have to respond to that. You have to hey, respond hold to on one second. Hold, go, go ahead, Mike. But uh, I just want to say um, I want to welcome our special guest real quick, Dan Perkins, very famous guy, a radio commentator, author, uh, a very popular journalist, been on every major news media outlet. Um, we're glad to have him with us. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show, man. What a pleasure. Hey, welcome, Dan. Thank, thank you for having me. Dan, sorry about that. I had you on. I just I was having uh, one of my callers who just wanted to I wanted to finish have him finish what he was saying. But um, I, I'm really God. It's, it's a pleasure, man. And uh, what a story you have. Your novel is a resume. <laughs> or my resume is a novel, one or the other. Exactly. Either way. Can I can I can I respond to that last caller? Just a quick observation. Yeah, real. I mean, real quick, he's still on the line, but real quick, um, Mike Zolo, who's my co-host, just wanted to say one thing, and then I'd love for you to say it, and I'd love for it. Is that okay? Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just, okay. go ahead, Mike. just give go me ahead, a couple Mike. seconds. So I just, look, I don't know if Assad did the chemical attack. You don't know. No one knows, okay? All I'm telling you is this. If five months, three months, four months from now, Trump does not intervene anymore other than the airstrikes he shot in Syria. Then what? Did everybody jump the gun or what? And by the way, Mike Cernovich is a fraud. This guy said, I listened to his Periscope three weeks ago where he said, F Donald Trump, and he's not a Trump supporter. Mike Cernovich is a nobody. He's a Twitter famous, and that's it. Laura Ingram is against the Syria strikes. That's fine. Look. I'm not for war in Syria. Airstrikes is as far as I'm willing to go. Manuel Macron yesterday, or two days ago, said, oh, we've convinced Donald Trump to further advance into Syria. The White House responded, and they said, our position has not changed in Syria. In other words, Donald Trump sent airstrikes. He is privy to more intel than me, than you, than anybody. Alex Jones went too far, saying, fuck Donald Trump, blah, 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 blah. He went out of his mind. I don't care if it was a 36-hour broadcast. He was disrespectful. And look, you don't have to agree everything Trump does. I don't agree with the omnibus thing. But I truly believe that airstrikes will be as far as it goes in Syria. If I'm wrong, I will admit it. But this notion that people have all this – and look, by the way, I don't trust the government. I trust my president and Mattis. Those are two people I trust. So, yes, Iraq oh, – so, so, like military intelligence, like weapons of mass destruction in Iraq or throwing babies out of incubators in, in Saudi Arabia. I, said, and, right? uh, I, mean, I mean, how many I times have they – you know, if, if the proof is there, go to Congress. Go to – have Congress okay. declare war. Have well, Congress wait, declare I'm, war. I'm, That's all I'm saying. Okay, no, I don't want war. Look <laughs> – well, that's, that's there's a difference war. between airstrikes. There's a difference between airstrikes and ground war. Boy. Come on, guys. We've never intended to have anything to do with war. It was a simple uh, show of response with uh, 
nor some allies about Thank you know you. chemical weapons being used. Where's the proof? Uh, Where's it the was proof that it was Assad? Specifically and precisely to the Chemical Weapons Scientific Research Center and two storage facilities. It has nothing to do with, really, I don't even think it has anything to do with who launched the chemical weapons as much as chemical weapons were launched. Right. So I, I, That's what I hear you. So now we're going to be Al-Qaeda's, so now we're Al-Qaeda's Air Force. No, no, no. Wait, wait. How many people died in the airstrikes? Uh, how much money was spent in the airstrikes and then also pissing off Russians? We actually did kill Russians about a month ago. So. Okay, no, no. But in these recent airstrikes, a couple of days ago on Friday, how many people died? All right, I'll go bomb your house when you're not in it and nobody dies. And so what? That's okay, not like an act of aggression you know or an act of war? Because there were precision airstrikes for a certain target. That is not war. It was a chemical weapon research Base. facility and two storage facilities. There were no homes. There were no That's civilian right. properties bombed. This is yeah, not, not neoconservatism. So now you guys, so now you guys trust, you guys trust the, have you guys ever looked into the White Helmets and who the White Helmets are and how they're... Yes, I know uh, all of that, but I trust the Commander-in-Chief and the Secretary of Defense. Those are two guys I trust. And I'm going... I'm giving the President Trump, who I work my ass off as well to get elected, the benefit of the doubt. Yes. If he puts additional troops, if he, if he gets us into a ground war in Syria, I will be yep. vehemently against it. That is my point. Okay. I think people are jumping the gun. That's all I'm saying. Mike, Mike I want to I wanna get back to my, my special guest, uh, Dan Perkins. Are you, you're still there, right, uh, buddy? Yes, I am. I'm here. I'm here. Dan, okay, so Dan, first of all, you know what I want? I want you to tell us about your background. You know, you've lived a, you lived a hell of a life. Um, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you're doing today. We want to hear all about it. Um, my, you know, my audience uh, would love to hear it. We're excited to have you on. So thank you for coming on as well. Sure. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I am, uh, by trade, a registered investment advisor. I've been managing money on a global basis for 43 years. Very Uh, nice. I'm a novelist. I've written four books on radical Islamic nuclear terrorism against the United States. Uh, I've written two children's books, one on a a, a historical, uh, mythological character in Ireland called a Selkie, which is an Irish seal, that has the ability to convert itself into a human being by coming ashore. I wrote to because my son, his wife, is from Ireland. Her family's from mm-hmm. Ireland. And I'm very Irish. They Yeah, me too. They they would go back and forth to visit her family and as they would come back they would talk to me about how the Muslim infiltration into Dublin and the area, other areas of Ireland, they're trying to take over the culture and the heritage of the Irish Celtic uh, program uh, that goes back for centuries and convert it all to the Muslim faith and Muslim traditions. But and so France, I wrote this book. Canada, I wrote, Germany. Yeah, Same I wrote thing. this book for my for their child, my my grandson to preserve a yes. part of Celtic history. The second children's book, which just came out in December, is called Why Can't Grammy Remember Me? And it's a, 
a major book written for children of ages 9 to 12 and their families begin to begin to understand the implication and the impact of dementia on grandma or grandpa. Um, <clears throat> I'm working on a new genre right now. I have a new book that's uh, – I can't tell you how, how far it's written because I, I know how it's going to end, but I, I still have to get there. Um, yes. It's a new book. It's called – it's called Abraham Lincoln and the Second Assassin. Okay, and, and real quick, real quick, before you you and I talked you and I talked on the phone personally uh, earlier today. Yes. We had a, a short yes. we had a we had a good we had a good conversation, and you were going to explain the Second Assassin because I was very curious about that second part of the title. I really and I wanted you to elaborate on it, but I I told you do it on the show would be a lot better because. I want the whole audience sure. to hear it. Um, the, the American Civil War uh, has been a passion of mine for decades. And when I, I just started writing four years ago, five years ago. And nice. um, I also write for some of the major blogs in the country. I write for Newsmax. I have a byline column there. I write for yep. Laura Ingram on LifeSet. I write for The Hill. I write for The Daily Surge. Uh, yep. And about four Daily other caller. blogs. Daily Caller, right. I write for about eight, eight or nine different blogs on a regular basis. I do about 60 interviews a month. I have my own syndicated radio show. Um, and I have a foundation for uh, veterans called Songs and Stories for Soldiers dealing with uh, traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, sleep deprivation, and suicide prevention. But the new book, the Lincoln book, <clears throat> um, I'll give you the prologue because the prologue, if you buy the fourth book in the te- in the terrorism series called Ted Baker and Terrorist Gold, you can actually read the first chapter of Abraham Lincoln. Um, the first part of the prologue takes place in 1857 in Manchester, England. Manchester, England is the textile capital of the world. They are the largest consumer of American cotton. The mills run 24-7, and they're making tons and tons of money. The Merchants Association is meeting in the new public library, and they're talking about what's going on in America, that uh, the Missouri Compromise has postponed or potentially eliminated a possible civil war, we need to send some representatives of our association to the United States to get firsthand knowledge which is going on. And we need to begin to follow this young Illinois lawyer who is purported to be a candidate for president in the 1860 election. Part two of the prologue rolls forward to 1862. The Merchants Association is meeting again and the price of cotton has gone from three cents a bale to three dollars and eighty cents a bale. And there's an embargo on cotton from the north. So the 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 English Manchester mills are struggling to get cotton. Their businesses are failing, their, their people are starving, they're meeting together. The head of the Merchant Association says to all the members, 
I want you to meet Ian McKenzie. We are hiring him to go to the United States and assassinate President Lincoln to bring the war to an end so we can get our cotton. That's the prologue. Wow. Prologue to the book. Wow. That's very and uh and so we we look we learn about him from his childhood all the way up to his age and he is about the same age, born at the same time as Abraham Lincoln, but in a different situation. And um it's it's uh the second book that I have changed writing styles. Most most people who write novels write in what is called third person. And the language in in novels are in third person are he said, she said, they went and when you write in first person, it's written as if you are right there and you're in the middle of the action, in the middle of the dialogue. You hear what people are saying and it's as if you're right there. And so I actually wrote the, the Terrorist Gold book and started writing the Lincoln book. And my editors said, you know, I really like the style that you're doing here in Lincoln. Could you go back and rewrite Terrorist Gold in first person? So I spent six months going back and rewriting Terrorist Gold. Um, that book came out between Christmas and New Year's, and I didn't do anything with it. Um and it's been marketing now for uh, since about the middle of January. So in about three months' time, we've gotten 650,000 page views on that and uh, almost 100,000 clicks to the website. Um, I just introduced on Easter Sunday morning uh, a reissue of the of the audio books for the uh, the Brotherhood of the Red Nile trilogy, so it it it's all in one package in a, in an audio file, and that came out on Easter Sunday morning, so two weeks ago yesterday. It has already gotten close to six hundred thousand page views. Wow, very nice. And Mr. Mr. Perkins. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, this is Jones speaking. Um, so you're obviously committed to Christianity. So my question is: Yes. Uh, the, the Syrian government has, or the Christians, Wait, this is James, the right? Government. Yeah, this is James. Uh, so okay. wouldn't you disagree with Trump's airstrikes to weaken the Assad uh, government, as they're the only ones protecting Christians? Uh, I would. <laughs> oh, geez, that, that's a that's a huge question. One of the one of the biggest problems that I have personally, uh, and I've written about it in my blog, is the persecution of Christians all over the Middle East. Under uh, yes, here, and, and, and the Assad government is the only one that seems willing to give minorities rights, whether it's Druze, whether it's the Christians, whether you know whether it's the Turkmen. You know the 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 moderate. There's no moderate rebellion. The moderate rebellion is a Sunni Islamist Wahhabi, uh, you know Wahhabi Salafists that want to exterminate Christians. So I don't understand Trump's position on weakening the Syrian government, who seems uh, willing to protect uh, Christians. 
Well, first of all, let me let me say uh, I have written I have I've written extensively since the first attack a year ago. So let me try and give you my perspective. Um, when Mr. Trump made the decision a year ago, um, based on information that they got that there was a, a gas attack on Syrians, then it was and based on satellite images and other things we were able to determine that that attack was done by the Syrian government. Mr. Trump, in that, Mr. Trump in that attack was basically sending, uh, at least at the time, I hope he was sending a message to Assad that Barack Obama drew a line in the sand about the use of biological and chemical weapons, and he didn't yeah. enforce it. Yeah, I'm enforcing. I'm enforcing the line, and I'm letting you know that we could bring the wrath of your phone might have rang. Uh, we we could bring the wrath of the United States government to you that could be absolutely devastating. So so when he did that, he did that because remember he's only been president about three months. He he did that as I have been told because of his compassion and sorrow at the murder of innocent men, women, and children. The indiscriminate murder of men, women, and children. Yeah, but you he know, his in, father was doing me, the same excuse, thing. Wait, Sorry. wait, let me finish, please. Yeah. Um, he did that as a, a warning shot to him. Now, I wrote after that attack that if I take the president at his word, uh, if Assad were to use chemical weapons again, my position was, and it's in writing, that we should destroy his capability to deliver the weapons, meaning Correct. we should eradicate his air force, both fixed and rotary wing. And so when we had the gas attack, and by the way, just to put things in perspective, um, the inspectors from the UN who were who were sent to Syria to go to the attack website have been repelled consistently by the Syrian government till today. The Russians said that they were willing to send representatives of the attack community to Damascus, but they weren't willing to allow inspectors go to the actual bombing site. Now they've re, uh, lifted that ban. It's now almost two weeks since the attack, and they're going to send inspectors, and we'll get more hard evidence. Now, with that said, we also know that Barack Obama and John Kerry negotiated with Assad and Putin for the Russians to extract all stockpiles of weapons and the manufacturing capabilities. We learned after the attack last year that, in fact, Russia did not do that. So now we have a situation where gas has been used and chlorine, and again, I want to help you understand why I believe chlorine was the principal agent. There's been some discussion that sarin gas was used, but the principal agent, I believe, was chlorine, and here's why. 
the destruction by Assad's air force of the towns, the buildings, left the only place for a refuge for the rebels, their families, and citizens of that town, Erdogan, was in the basements of the buildings. If you're going to want to kill people and you want to use a nerve agent because you can't get to them with bombs, chlorine gas is two and a, t- two and a half times heavier than air. If a, a chemical is two and a half times heavier than air, it falls when it's released, and it seeks the lowest level. The lowest level was the basement of the buildings to kill people. Now, when we heard about, initially when I heard about Trump's response of the laboratory and the storage facilities, I, would have to, I will say to you, unquestionably, I was disappointed. But I began, I began to look at the facts and said, I need to think about what's going on here. So I'm going to give you uh, a perspective that you've probably not heard anywhere, at least not yet, and I may be the first to talk about it. One of the things that's different about this strike than the one last year is last year we did it alone. This year we had three other nations that cooperated with us. The, the French and the English actually sent their men and their machines to work with our men and machines to make the attack. Cutter let us use their air base as a staging area. So while it's small, we had four nations who were cooperating in uh, this attack on the facilities, his capability. Now, uh, as a result, I think that what happened was that perhaps General Mattis and other people within the Pentagon were from my camp because as I originally wrote the, uh, of the, the attack um, uh, idea, I began seeing very high-ranking officers, retired officers, two, three, and four-star generals saying exactly the same thing that I said, take out his, his infrastructure in order to deliver the weapons. So I think what happened was, and I don't know whether it was Trump or somebody else, said, if we could put a coalition together that we weren't going alone, we would get some support from the rest of the world for what it was we did. When you listen to Mr. Sp- Mr. Trump's Friday night speech, the cornerstone of his speech was that the world banned the use of chemical weapons many years ago. And the Assad regime was using chemical weapons. He also pointed out that it was clear that the Russians did not remove the weapons. And so in order to put a coalition together, I believe there was a concession of not taking out his air power, but to take out the facilities that were producing the deadly gases. Now, Mm. one more point. One more point. Yep. Let's do it. We we have a situation where... um, Every president from Harry Truman forward has taken military action in the defense of the country 
Porter right or wrong, without going to the Congress for a war powers uh, declaring war. Every president from Harry Truman forward has done that. Uh, there were people who were saying today he should have come to the Congress for a declaration of war. We weren't at war with Syria. We are not That's at right. war no. with Syria. No. Now, no. The, la- the last point, that's what I want to make. This was not about regime change. Bingo. This was not trying to ch- it was not about trying to take out Assad. It I was sending a you, warning. I, I point out to you Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. The two of them decided that they wanted regime change in the Middle East. They were behind the development of the Muslim Brotherhood to try and take over the leadership and governance of Egypt. Hillary Clinton personally, personally decided that Muammar Gaddafi had to go. The problem that the, the, the ineptness of Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in their foreign policy, and, and Vice President Joe Biden said on television that Libya was a crowning achievement in the Obama administration. This is before they got rid of Gaddafi. And so what happened is the problem with regime change in the Obama administration is they had no freaking clue who the successor was going to be. We still don't have a new leader in, 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 in Libya. And so, and the Muslim Brotherhood was thrown out of Egypt. The point is that it was not about regime change. It was simply saying the world will not accept the use of chemical or biological weapons against innocents. Men, women, and children. Unless the unless the U.S. Even, does it with depleted uranium or or well, gives weapons to Saudi Arabia, uranium across is Yemen. Point uranium is, is not a chemical point, weapon. We've been using chemical. No, we've been using depleted uranium inside of Syria and in Iraq in 2003, and we've been using. We've killed over 10,000 Yemenis, one of the poorest countries on earth. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What is the relevance of 2003 in the discussion we're talking about today for 2018 and attacking? Yeah, I'm confused. It's it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Uh, we're playing the moral discussion. high ground here of you know. Well, we also no, did it in no, Syria. No, I'm not. No, I'm not claiming moral high ground. I said to you that this attack was not about regime change. It's and not. And that's the key point. That's the key point. Airstrikes are not regime change. Airstrikes where nobody dies is not war. If Trump sends in tanks and thousands and thousands of troops and invades Syria like Iraq, I will say that's not our fight, and I disagree with President Trump. Until then, he's done nothing wrong. This is, this is airstrikes, guys. I mean, this is not – I don't understand what's the like, big deal here. It's, it's, now, hey, now let I, me go – yeah, go ahead. I, go I just want to. I wanted to. I wanted to make. I said to you, I wanted to make a comment about that collar that you had. Well, yeah, there's still, still on the was, line. What which one were you referring to? The which one? And he's talking to Tim. He's talking to Tim. Okay, the Tim. last guy yeah, that was ahead. on before before I came on. Okay, and here's the point. Yeah. The point that he the point that he's talking about about libertarians not voting for Trump. Okay. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question, and I would have liked to have asked him this question. If not Trump, if not Trump, then who? Who is the leader of the Democratic Party? I don't give a shit. I don't. Maybe I'm just not going to vote for anybody. How about that? I mean, what, what am I supposed okay, to vote for? Uh, what am I supposed to vote? What am I supposed to vote for? So that way they can run trillion-dollar deficits during boom wait, time. Wait, so that way wait, they wait. can. First, first of all, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's deal with facts. Let's deal with That's facts. The Congressional Budget Office, based on a static balance, suggested that the traps that the the, the, the uh, Trump tax cuts would add to the deficits to the tune of a trillion dollars over ten years. Do you did you hear I mean, what the do, what do you want to go back to? Do you want to go back to previous CBO yeah. estimates and how no. wrong hey, they've been talk, for the past you know fifty years? Let me let me <laughs> let me finish. Let me finish. Did you hear what the Congressional Budget Office did on Friday? They said uh, they were I heard wrong. that we've have a five hundred ninety eight billion dollar uh, deficit already for the first half of fiscal year twenty eighteen. Excuse me, that's not the question I asked you. I asked you. Did you hear what the Congressional Budget Office said on Friday about their estimate of a trillion dollars of additional debt for the economy? Did you hear what they said? They came back and said they said said that they were wrong, that in fact the tax cuts are already paying for themselves, and they made a mistake. But my point is – So how does that explain the debt going up even faster now? Roy, who do you have on the phone here, man? This is Tim. This is Tim. Uh, Tim from Phoenix. I uh, just called. Yeah, Tim. So my my Roy, point is talking that, about other presidents and fifty years ago this and two thousand three that. I'm saying that the CBO has never been right ever, and so now you're going to go quote what the CBO is saying. I mean, what is, what is actually going on right now is that there was one week, there was two weeks in. Uh, February well, alone, where the debt was the up. CBO two minutes ago. Make up your mind. <laughs> do you, do you, do, let me ask. I said the CBO has never gentleman. been right. Let me ask this gentleman a question. Can you explain to this audience the between the difference between static and dynamic accounting? <laughs> I mean, I don't really. Okay. I, I, can, I can you I, like the relevance of? Can you explain to this audience that's listening tonight? The difference between static and dynamic accounting. I mean, you're talking about the same type that? of. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know the I'm asking, exact. I'm definition. asking you. I mean, I'm asking you. I know that they don't. I know that they don't use that gap, the normal gap accounting rules that everybody else is subject to. Ooh, right. Well, so what they? The, the, the government. The government. The Congressional Budget Office historically used what is called. Static accounting. If I cut if I cut tax revenue by a trillion dollars, if I don't in, if I don't cut expenses, I'm going to create a trillion dollar deficit. That's static accounting. Dynamic accounting says you take into you're doing a fancy it's gap it's gap versus non gap is what you're talking about. No, I'm so talking about static. Do you vote for Donald Trump or the Democrats? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. 
No, no, I, I wasn't asking you. You're on my side, man. I was saying to He's Tim, Tim, if the election was tomorrow, do you vote for Donald Trump or the Democrat? Uh, nobody. Or I'd vote for Adam Kokesh who wants to dissolve the federal government. Or no, doesn't, okay, Adam Kokesh doesn't who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about on any issue. If he doesn't want to vote for anybody, that's fine with me. Because I don't believe that, one, there's a leader of the Democratic Party. And if the Republicans have any brains... They'll run in the midterm primary, the midterm elections under one simple concept. They will repeat the question that they will repeat the same question that Ronald Reagan asked the supporters of Jimmy Carter. (laughs) Are you better off today than you were four years ago? If you're not, vote for me. And if you said to the people in America today, with what's happened, in the job creation, bonuses, money in people's pockets, housing prices going, what uh, diminishing regulations? How would you right. think that the American people would answer the question? Are you better off today than you were four years ago under Barack Obama and the Democrats? And the no, answer Trump is sent, going Trump to be sent airstrikes to Syria. No, 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 no one's going to say that. Exactly, they're going to say yes. I like bringing home more money. I like a strong president who sends the message. I like less regulations. I like a strong economy. That's how Trump and the Republicans will win. Hey, can I? Yeah. I want to. Yeah. Well, ask, ask if your ask if your great ask if your grandkids are going to be better off with the amount of debt that we're going to add for every dollar of GDP that Trump has. I mean, do you? I mean, you're trying to get me with little gotcha wait, questions. How wait. much? How much? Wait, how wait, much wait. debt you has increased? GDP is three percent. And how much has the debt you, increased uh, for every for every dollar of increase in GDP? How much has the debt increased? Are you six dollars? So for every you, six, you, six dollars, you, it takes. Come on. Are you man. really trying to say that the economy under Donald Trump is not extremely better than when it was it's, Obama? It's, time? it's better than ever before the economy right now. We've never seen a better economy ever. I mean, it's unbelievable. That is complete crap. That is complete crap. I mean, oh, the first off, the GDP is not averaging three percent like underneath. Liberal, oh, underneath. He's a liberal. Oh, because I, because I, I sound like a liberal like because I actually want to cut. How much like spending? How much spending have you guys Roy, cut? Because you guys don't have the balls to cut any spending. Wait, wait, I'm a liberal because I want to cut. Because I want to cut spending. So no, the James, I asked the first question. This is a little off topic, but since you're such a specialist, I kind of wanted to ask you. Um, yes, sir. If because of Brexit, there's going to be a hard border back in Ireland. What would you hope Trump's position would be on a, on a hard border in Ireland? What, what what I think that Mr. Trump would think about a hard border in, in Ireland? Is that what you're no, asking what, me? What would you hope his position would be uh, post-Brexit uh, regarding the border in Ireland? Yeah, the Muslims going to Ireland now, all them radicals. No, 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 no. no. I'm talking there. about the U.K. leaving. They want to bring a border back between North and South Ireland, a hard border. What would you hope Trump's position would be? I would I would say that, that if if the the Brits leave – the European Union, which they are, uh, if, if, based on the Brexit vote, and I look at what's going on in both Eastern and Western Union, Western Europe, where more and more companies, countries are wanting to put up hard borders to protect the integrity of their country, their language, their culture, 
uh, I wouldn't have a problem with a, I don't think Mr. Trump would have a problem with a hard border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland if, if Northern Ireland wants to leave the UK and become a member of the European Union. Hey, uh, Dan, Dan. Sir, yes. Rory, Sod- Rory Sodder here, host, the host. How you doing, man? Hey, um, <laughs> good. So what, um, what I really want to talk about with you is oh, I'm going to play a clip, uh, Comey. We know Comey's a total bullshit artist. He's a, he's a Fruit Loop. He's a total scam artist. I mean, he, the guy is as fake and phony as they come. Uh, Tim, I play and he's complete. I mean, it, it, it's just complete. It's all attention seeking. None of what he's saying is true. He just wants attention. He wants to write a little book. He got fired. He, he's a little coward. I mean, it, it all. It's. I mean, it's typical. We've seen this happen with so many people that get fired and are bitter and have to get revenge or have some vengeance in some in some way, shape, or form. I want I want to play this clip though. I want to you get some thoughts. Uh, one, two. I actually believe he's morally unfit to be president, and I say that because someone who is able to see moral equivalence in Charlottesville or to speak and treat women like they're pieces of meat and to lie constantly, and who appears to lack an external moral framework. Right? Most leaders, all leaders that I've known, have some sort of external framework. They, they make the hardest decisions by touching a religious tradition or philosophy or logic or history or tradition. I never saw any of that with Donald Trump. The only reference point is internal. What will bring me the affirmation that I so badly crave? That collection of attributes makes a person morally unfit to be a leader, no less the President of the United States. Do you think President Trump has been compromised by the Russians? I don't know. And these are words I never thought would come out of my mouth about You're an American ahead. president, but it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. I, I don't know, and the honest answer is it's possible. It's hard to explain some things without at least leaving your mind open to that being a possibility. What is the possibility that you see? What's the greatest possibility that he was? Well, obviously, the most likely is that he's not. But the reason I say possible is that there's a non-zero possibility that the Russians have some, some sway over him that is rooted in his personal experience. And I don't know whether that's the business about the activity in a Moscow hotel room or finances or something else. But again, I I don't want to overstate it. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying, to be honest with you, I have to say it's possible. At least in my experience, he won't criticize Vladimir Putin, even in private, even in a meeting with three people in the Oval Office. He is arguing that he gave a good answer when he said, essentially, we are the same kind of killers that Putin's thugs are. And oh that struck God. me. He, he's made it pretty break. clear that he would like to fire this guy is an ass. And, and or Rosenstein. What would be the effect Rosenstein. of that decision? Well, the most important effect <laughs> would, be, it would be an attack on the rule of law that we have not seen in our lifetime. And talk about a core value of America. Truth, the rule of law, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, Joke. fairness, decency. That's who we are. And if the president can fire an independent prosecutor who's working within the chain of command in the Justice Department, 
because he doesn't like Nobody the result the they may be headed towards, that is a fundamental attack on the rule of law. I think the Deputy Attorney General has <laughs> performed in a good way since my firing. And, and I don't know this, but I suspect part of it is to make up for what he did in connection with my firing. But I, what I've seen him do, which is stand up for the rule of law and the Justice Department and the need for independent law enforcement to resist the president saying, prosecute that person, don't prosecute that person, don't come after me, has been really good and really important. You say that one of the things that affected your decision-making was some classified information about Loretta Lynch that indicates that she uh, that would raise questions about her impartiality in dealing with the Hillary Clinton investigation. Is this information that has not yet been released in any form? Correct. And so, Kevin, I was asking Kevin, our expert, uh, about what it could be. He had some theories, but it's... Yeah, it, it's, it's not the Russian intelligence document that contains uh, a reference to email that Loretta Lynch would not uh, God, go far uh, into the Clinton investigation. Are, you're not referring to that? I can't say. I'm not referring to anything. You're, yeah, I can't say. You're not I, and I've gone as far... So the FBI has reviewed... My book, I just can't say. And it, I'm as far forward as I can I'm be. A leaker, but I can't say. Given the classified nature of the material. As we sit here, the IG report is, is pending. Have you seen it? No. Do you expect to get a copy of it for your own review before it's published? I think so. I think the normal drill is if you're a, I don't know, if they're talking about your conduct, you get a chance to look at it and offer any response you want. Where is this the FBI exposed on that, uh, in that report, do you think? I don't know. Um, we know. Part of the reason I hesitate is I don't know exactly all they're looking at. I you know because I encouraged it. I wanted them to take a look at the decision making I did on the Hillary Clinton email investigation to do the July 5th press conference to notify Congress in late October. But I gather from media accounts that there's other pieces that they've added, but I don't have any personal knowledge of exactly what it is beyond. Uh, that piece about Hillary Clinton email. Which I pray no FBI director ever has to deal with this again because it was just a series of no-win decisions. And so which would be the least bad decision is constantly what we're thinking in the book. And my hope is, I even hope Hillary Clinton at least reads those parts of the book because I think oh, she God. will walk away Here saying, you know what, I still think that guy's an idiot, but, you know, he's kind of an honest idiot. And he's trying to do the right thing here, and I kind of get actually what he was faced with. What a, I mean, what a whack! I mean, this Game guy's cold. a joke. This guy is nothing but an attention seeker. I can't stand this prick. This is a chump. It's a he's a typical chump, Comey. James Comey needs to be indicted. This guy is out of his mind. So guy, I want Trump to go after him, man. Hell yeah. James Comey, who the hell is he to attack Donald Trump? Look, you know what? It's good, though. It's good. As long as James Comey keeps attacking President Trump so ferociously, you know, he mocks yep. him about his hand size, about his ties, yep. all this nonsense about his marriage. As long as James yep. Comey keeps doing that, he's going to yep. show America how much he truly hates Donald Trump and he truly deserves to be fired. Because how the yeah. hell can you work under the right. president if you hate him that much? So good. Keep right. he's digging his own grave. And, and, here, and here's what I've always said. Here's what I've always said. And, Dan, I want to get your thoughts on this right after I say something. But here's what I've always said, that 
Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump is the most powerful man in the world. Nobody is going to cross him. Nobody is going to second-guess him. Nobody is going to question him. Nobody is ever going to get in his his face. People are terrified of him. You see all of these people that basically all these countries have said in the past with people like Barack Hussein Osama that they didn't want anything to do with us. But all of a sudden now, President Trump, the new sheriffs in town, people are on their knees wanting every deal with the U.S. possible. So look at everything Trump's doing. No other leader can do what Trump does. Trump is the most powerful man in the world. He's invincible. You can't touch him. He's untouchable, and he'll win every single time you try to attack him. That's right. I mean, go ahead, Dan. Sorry, man. I had to vent there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's, let me just give you a some observations over the over the Comey interview. What the Comey? How are your Comey reactions? So, um, I guess rhetorically, I would ask the question that he would also find Bill Clinton, who had sexual relations with that woman in the office, woman. the Oval Office, and yep. would he also find John F. Kennedy? Uh, reprehensible uh, and immoral because of his liaisons with women while he was president of the United States on his wife. Um, oh, every every second so, of every day he's doing it. But he he didn't he 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 singled out Mr. Trump and didn't address the other issues of right. other presidents who have had affairs. Uh, one was almost was impeached but wasn't convicted, and that's right. Bill Clinton. So I had a he problem with been. that. Uh, he, he, yeah, he, he should. He, well, that, that's it's that's another story. It's hypocrisy but, at its finest. It's hypocrisy at its finest. Guys, well, he I have, lied I, about leaking. Oh he yeah, I mean it, it's two two things I want to make up. Okay, go ahead, Um I told you about all the blogs that I'm writing for. Well, I have an announcement for you. I just just appeared today on a new a new blog for me, and it's called um, uh, MediaEqualizer.com. Uh, and the piece of that is Trump is trying to fight the Democrats with one hand behind his back, and that's because Obama had an attorney general who worked in his behalf 24-7. Jeff right. Sessions, because of his refusal, uh, and Holder was the was the man who who protected the president. Um, Through fat, fat, and and furious, running guns in Mexico. I mean, right. Everything. So, so what hap- What I say in the piece is that that um, that normal uh, normally in a appointment of a special counsel, the um, secretary of the um, Attorney General issues an order empowering the special counsel and gives that special counsel a specific crime or law that has been broken to determine whether or not uh, the president uh, has created high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, in the article, I have a link to the Rosenstein letter 
appointing Mueller. There is no specific charge against the law that that Mueller has been charged to look at. And so um, if you look at the statutes, you look at the statutes that they are using to investigate in the order that they gave to the appointment order for Mueller, the statute that was used to start the investigation. And I'm not going to bore you with all the numbers. It basically, their contention is, and this is important, their contention is that if under the federal statute, if a political campaign or a member of that campaign has relationships with a foreign individual or a foreign government for the purposes of influencing the outcome of an election, that's a felony. Right. Okay? So in my article, I create the following scenario. Question number one, was Michael Steele an American citizen? No, he's a British subject. So he is a foreign national. Did he engage with representatives in, in Russia to collect information uh, on supposed activity about Mr. Trump, which they were being compensated for, for their evidence? Yes. By Hillary. So under, so under, the, under the federal election laws, Steele was a foreign national – dealing with a representatives of a foreign government and the foreign government received value and the American campaign of Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee received value. Whether it was true or not is irrelevant. They receive value. So the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee and Michael Steele, all three of them, violated the actual things that Mueller is supposed to be investigating about Donald Trump. But none of the three have ever been charged. That is such a good point. None. This is such a good point. Yeah, because Jeff Sessions is too busy upping his war on weed to actually do anything of any substance. No, he, he can't. He can't do anything because he was recused out of being involved in that. So he can't he, the participate. Yeah, there was another, He can be fired by another, he can be fired by Trump. He could be fired by Trump. Let me let me correct something on the weed thing. Real quick. Um Trump came out the other day and said to basically Jeff Sessions, there's a whole article on it. To Jeff Sessions about fighting on weed. Take a hike, leave the weed stuff alone, Trump said. So Trump is one hundred percent for weed, and he's told Jeff Sessions to cut it out. Oh, the, okay. What, uh, well, going I, back, I don't like, going, disagree with you. Let Mr. Perkins speak. Huh? Let, me go back, let, me, let, me, let me go back. Let me go back Your to the finish of the article. So okay, I, I made this recommendation. Yeah. Jeff Sessions needs to call a press conference at the Justice Department and make two announcements. Number one, that he is firing Rod Rosenstein. Number two, he's effective resigning. immediately. And number two, he's going to submit his resignation to the president the next day. Amen. 
Yeah. And by doing that, by knowing that, instead of because under what's going on right now, there are effectively two attorney generals. One was confirmed by the Senate, Jeff Sessions. Rosenstein was not. And so right. Rosenstein is the is the is the attorney in essence the attorney general for the for the Russian collusion and, and Mueller investigation. Jeff Sessions has the rest of it. But Abraham Lincoln said, and you, if you know your American history, you'll remember this, a house divided against itself cannot stand. We cannot have two attorney generals in the United States. We only have one. Right. Because I don't think it's possible for us to function under a law-abiding society with two attorney generals. One that's aligned with the deep state, obviously, and one who's either entirely incompetent or uh, is in the tank. Under you know, but see, in the case of in the case of Jeff Sessions, I I talk about that issue, and I be, I believe. See, one of the things that I wrote during the campaign, I was one of the very on my radio show. When he came down that escalator in the Trump Tower and did his first 45-minute presentation, I knew he was going to win my too. Part, I said to my partner, "This man's going to win yep. the election." And my Your partner said, here, You're "I knew crazy. he was going to win." Yep, and so I, I knew that. And so, but but what happened? He, the the problem that the Democrats are having is that for 40 or 50 years. The Republicans have reacted to the intimidation of the Democrats, whether they were in power or not. And so that the, the Republican response by an attack by a Democrat was to capitulate. I'm sorry, I'll resign, I won't get involved, whatever. So that the Democrats always got their way. Yep. So... Not only were they shocked that Hillary didn't win the election, and I have a I have a a, a, a forecast for you there um, on who the candidate will be in 2020. Um, not only did she not win the election, they still don't know how to deal with somebody. If you attack him, he doesn't respond. He massacres you. And yep. that's not very you playing by the down your neck. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't play by the democratic rules. And they've right. been so used to having their way that when that's a Republican why, comes along and says, We're not gonna do that, um, yeah. it happens. And, and, and so Dan, they're in Dan, chaos. And, and that's why and this yeah, go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say that's why there's no democratic leader. Nancy Pelosi, who can't string three sentences together without screwing it up, is not the spokesperson or the leader of the dinner. Chuck Schumer is not the leader. But if if Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are not the leaders of the Democratic Party, who is? I will tell you who the leader is. Is it Bernie? Is it Bernie Sanders? Maxine Waters. Mad Max. No. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I wrote a piece Elizabeth about a Warren. month ago. It was very, very controversial. 
And that that was on Newsmax. And I said, let me tell you who the victim is who will be the Democratic nominee in 2020 for president. Who? The person is the ultimate. Remember that the Democratic Party is the party of victims. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The ultimate, ultimate victim of the Democratic Party. Great card players. Is Hillary Clinton? You think she's going to run run again? She might. There's no. They hate her. Nobody likes her in the Democratic Party. They're telling her to go away. Wait wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me let let me help you. Let me come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Don't spring that on us. That's just BS. (laughs) No, it's not. No, it's not. Hillary Clinton is a Um, hate. She's. She has worse approval ratings than any Democrat ever that ever ran. She's terrible. But Nobody she's, likes her. But she's, she's the victim. The Democratic Party is a party of victims. She is and the she's the definition victim. of a cunt. I'm not going to go there. I'm just saying. I mean, that's what, if you want I, a definition get, of the cunt, that's the Hillary Clinton. Give me, can, I, can I make a point? Yes, Dan, but it made me very angry that you said she was going to be the nominee for a Democrat in the 2020. It sounds like nonsense. Well, do you remember there was a gentleman who ran against John Kennedy? Nixon, Nixon ran twice. Yeah, you're right. And what did Nixon Nixon say after he lost to John Kennedy in the 1960 presidential election? What What were the famous words he said to the press? I don't know. You won't have me. Well, he said I'm not a crook, but he said after he lost, you won't have me to kick around anymore. And what happened? You won. Sixty-eight. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Dan. It's not. It's not. Fifty years later, it's a different time. Do you? Do you, Dan? I want to ask you honestly, and this is a straightforward question. Do you realize? How many Democrats have turned on Hillary Clinton? How many Democrats can't stand her? How many people hate her guts and want her to stay away and stay in the woods? Yeah, and I'd have to ask you a question. How many Democrats hate Donald Trump more than they hate her? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. In 2020, if the Democrats don't have a new candidate, Donald Trump will repeat by a landslide. Or, I mean, he's going okay. to repeat. He's going to win by a landslide regardless. I really don't think. And Dan, I mean, you're a conservative. I don't know what you're. I, I believe you're a conservative guy. But uh, you know, right. I, I, I mean, Dan, you. It, it would be ridiculous to say anybody could beat Donald Trump with the performance and the amazing, unbelievable, never seen before. Uh, a country we're living in. This economy is better than ever before. I mean, we're we're doing things that people thought were impossible, and it's all because of Donald Trump. Nobody can beat Donald Trump. Is it going to be Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton? Yeah, it's going to be they're a ridiculous clown party. Democrats. I, I did, hey, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're missing the point. You're missing the. You're missing the point. I'm not though. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say. George W. Question, Bush Dan. got reelected, and he's a fucking idiot. Hey, hold on a second, guys. I want to ask Dan a question for everybody and any listeners. I want to make a point. With the amount 
of criminal, I mean, substantiated evidence of criminal activity with Hillary Clinton, whether it's the whether it's the uh, confidential information with Huma Abedin, whether it's the lying under oath, whether it's the money laundering of the Clinton Foundation, do you really, Dan, think with that amount of verifiable Christ, evidence that she's going to be able to that she's going to be able to, to run? I just I don't believe there's too many substantiated crimes that she's got on her right now. I mean, I'm, and I, I want to make my my other point about this article. Dan, you I were create... saying everything perfect. You were saying everything perfect until you went there, and it was one of one of the most ridiculous comments I've ever heard in my life. And and well, after what happened, we're dealing with a ridiculous Democrat party, though, Rory. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, here's, it doesn't, here's, it doesn't here's, matter. Go, go here's the, finish your point, Dan. The point is. She still has her campaign staff in place. She's the keynote speaker at a big Democratic fundraiser. There is no, there is no, no front person, and I'm not saying she's going to win. I, I do say in the article, he's not going to run. There are, period. Excuse me, excuse me. Give me a chance. There are two scenarios that would impact her running for the nomination. One. If she got masterly sicker and weak and couldn't function, she would be out. Or, or Mr. Trump puts her in an orange jumpsuit. Then she does. Then she does the run. But understand that as long as the Mueller investigation is going on, who is the beneficiary of the Mueller investigation? The Mueller investigation is coming to a close. No, it's not. No, it's not. The Democrats are going to keep it open as long as they possibly can because she's the victim. And every time you talk about collusion of the Russians stealing the election from Hillary Clinton, who is the beneficiary of that victimhood? Hillary Clinton. Now, I understand that you think I'm crazy or I'm nuts for doing this. Part of my job is to to look at things in ways that other people don't look at them. And guess what? I was successful. I got you all riled up. I got you all pissed off at me because I was thinking outside the box. But will you be man enough um, if I'm right and she's the nominee in 2020 to say, boy, that's one smart dude. But it, but, you, but you're ter- you're terribly mistaken. You make no logical sense. I mean, she's done. She's done. Like she'll never run again. Like that was one of the most. She hey, was Mr. so embarrassed when she lost because she had the champagne bottle already. She was all ready to celebrate, all ready to go and hang out, have party party time. No, nope, sorry. Is the, the Democratic one person party, in the Democratic, Democratic party, party that you think is a uh, I can barely hear you, James. You're in a bad connection. Speak up. I was wondering who's the one I, person I, in the Democratic God, field yeah. that could uh, give Trump a run. Huh? Well, the, the Democratic the one person in the Democratic field that you think could be Trump? That's my question. There's no. nobody in the Democratic field that no. could be Trump. So you really Trump, think, period. Period. Uh, but, my question. But, you don't but, think there's a single but, person but, that could give him a run? 
I mean, who's going to beat person. him after this performance? Well, I mean, nobody. Why are, you, why are you fucking yelling? I'm asking the fucking question. You're asking. I told you, no. Nobody could beat him. He's invincible. Nobody. Was he's untouchable. Dan. I was asking Dan. Oh, but oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I would say. I, let me let me try to... and answer the question. I, I was, there are too many people talking at the same time for, for me to follow all this conversation. I just want to point out. Does anybody remember a candidate by the name of George McGovern? Yeah. How did he do? He lost. He got he got his ass kicked in 1972. No, he got destroyed. He won one state. Yeah, he got his he ass lost kicked. 40, yeah. He lost He lost 49 to 1. Now, <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> if I'm if, – yeah, and he didn't even win his home state. Now, if – Montana. Let's, let's, let's just say for a moment – Let's just say for a moment that I'm right. One of the reasons why the Democrats, why the Democrats who hate her so much would support her for candidate is they would not want to put another candidate who might be potential to run against Pence and have them destroyed by Donald Trump. So better to put the victim, Hillary, on the ballot and let Trump beat her to death 49 to 1 like McGovern lost and not sacrifice a potential better candidate down the road. Okay. So that, okay, so that thank you for thanks for explaining that and leading us all up to that point, Dan. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> my my logic here is the Democratic Party, they have to step away from the Maxine Waters, the Keith Ellersons, the Cory Bookers, the Hillary Clintons, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumers. They, that is a train wreck. Until they get some fresh, young, reasonable-minded Democrats, they are, they're not going to win for a long, long time. Democratic got, Party is not going to move to the center. It's not going to happen. All those people that you just met and mentioned are far left. They have control of the party. They have control of the party. They are not going to move to the to the right or to the center. They're not going to do that. So what's going to happen is that the minority party, the Democratic Party, which are talking about how there's going to be this big blue wave and they're going to take over the House and the Senate in the fall, is the same horseshit that they went through last year when they when Hillary was a layup and the polls were all wrong because the polls were taken wrong. And so I, I just don't see how uh, there's anybody there that is moving towards the center that would attract the old-style Democrats because they're not going to be there. Labor is, moving, labor is moving to Trump and moving away from the Democratic Party because he's creating jobs, he's opening plants, reopening factories. The coal miners, the steel workers, the Teamsters are all moving towards the Republican Party and Donald Trump. So their coalition is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So they're going to be a very, very minor party at the end of not only the 18 midterm elections, but the 2020 general elections. All righty. Well, um, yeah. Well, Dan, I want to uh, want to thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate you having you on. Um, thank amazing, you. Dan. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you, Dan. Sure, my pleasure.
Amazing insight. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. All righty, Dan's gone. Um, yeah, he, uh, you know, he didn't really know what the fuck he was talking about towards the end when he was talking about Hillary Clinton. Um, he, he really uh, kind of – that was one of the most idiotic statements I've ever heard in my whole life. Well, at the end, he made the point that the reason they're going to put her in, they know she's going to lose. That was his point to begin with, which which he did not explain the whole time. <laughs> you know, so. what do you, I will what do you, say, what do you I, mean? I will say that uh, other than his opinion on who's going to run, which obviously I don't think it's going to be Hillary. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe like Kamala Harris or some fucking you know idiot like that. Other than that, like Syria and all all the like Trump stuff, like he seems like a pretty like smart Trump guy. Other than the last, you know. Well, he was mentioning Hillary running as a sacrificial lamb, knowing that she's going to lose. Yeah, 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 yeah. I caught that at the end, yeah. Yeah, but he seemed like a smart guy. Absolutely. I love what he had to say. I like his books, man. I like the kids' books he has. That's awesome. Yeah. Is Tim still on? You know, what? Is Tim still on? No, he's not on anymore. Why? Uh, good. No, because he's a nut. I wanted to debate him. Yeah, he's a nut. He's uninformed. Yeah, I'll get I'll get him to call back in. Hold on. No, no. Hey, but you, uh, I really, you know no, what I really uh, what? You know what really bothers me? What's that? Um, here here's what's really fucking bothering me, and I'm I'm gonna really bring this up and address this. Um, is Jews. Um, making 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 comments about Christians and Jews. I, I, I'm, I'm getting tired. Uh, there's a lot of Jews criticizing Christians and thinking it's okay. But God help if a if a Christian makes a comment towards a Jew, an anti-Semitic comment, like calls them a kike or something. But all these Jews are making all these insults towards Christians, and I'm tired of the double standard. And you know what? I hear it quite often. Jews making fun of Christians, you know, laughing at Christians, laughing at their ideology, and I'm getting tired of it because, you know what, Jews are the last people that should be talking and criticizing people. You, they should know that, you know, you know, this is a Christian nation, and when you cross that fucking line, excuse my French, but you're going into a fucking gray area. If you're a Jew and you're well, criticizing a Christian in America, you're doing the wrong fucking thing. I, I, I'm sorry. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this right now, and I, cause I, you know, too many times I've walked by Jews with their, with their beanies on, criticizing Christians, talking shit about us. Next time I see one of them and I hear one of them talk shit about Christians, I'm going to make their fucking noses more crooked. That's how pissed off I am. <laughs> Christians are the most interrogated and attacked religion in America, and I'm not making this shit up, and I'm fucking tired of it. Well, let, let me help you. Uh, so... So, this is what goes on in America. Christian, white, Christian men. No, I'm, hey, excuse, let me talk real quick, please. I'm in an angry Go mood. Ahead. I really need to vent right now. Hold on. You know what? This is holding this whole New York thing, Mike, with the Chick-fil-A. This is the fucking Jews. The Jews want to hate on the Christians and criticize us and talk bad about us, about opening a Chick-fil-A in New York City. And let's face it, who owns that area where the new Chick-fil-A is in Manhattan. It's all the Jews. 
and all they do is criticize Christians. I hear it all day fucking long. And the minute we make a remark like, Pike, we're anti-Semitic, and we get called racist and all this shit, but they can say stuff to us, I'm done with it. It's war fucking time. Yeah, white Christian males, we are the new... We are the new enemy, not only of America, but of everyone. And the left is jumping on that Eating their fucking mozzarella ball, fucking soup, and wearing their yarmulkes, trying to criticize us, motherfuckers. <laughs> no, man, I'm fucking tired of these crooked nosed beanie, beak nosed motherfuckers t- talking shit about us. I'm but sick of everyone problem. talking shit about us. And I'm sick of the fucking Muslims. I'm sick of those fucking turban motherfucking Islam pieces of shit talking bad about us, too. I'm tired of them. Damn, Rory, you weren't kidding. They're destroying Christian statues in fucking Islam countries. Thinking it's funny. I want to take one of those motherfuckers and beat the shit out of them. Yeah, and it's good that you're getting riled up about it, Roy, because it's a real serious problem. It's not being discussed. And the persecution of Christians around the world is at an all-time high, and it really it really does need to start being discussed because it's really bad, man. It's really, it really fucking angry, bad. It makes me angry, man. It's bad. It's horrible. Oh, you I just want to say I don't advocate violence, but uh, I do see – Rory does have a point in the sense that there is a double standard when it comes to the Jewish community. When they say never again uh, in regards to mass genocide, uh, they've actually been quiet around the, the genocide in Rwanda and the genocide in Bosnia. It just seems that uh, there, is a, there is a double standard. Yeah, there absolutely. Is no, there is I just no don't want to advocate violence. I really want to make that clear. I don't want to advocate violence against Jewish people. I really... <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, don't, you know, I know, I know, a lot, I know a lot of good, I know good Jewish people, but I also know people, Jewish people that make comments about Christians and are against us. Go ahead, Mike. What were you saying? Yeah, sure, man. I was just saying. Listen, you have a right to be angry, man. Jews, Muslims, every other religion, every other liberals. race, liberals is allowed to make fun of Christianity and white men. And once yep. you stand up for that, once you stand up for being a white person or a Christian, not saying you're superior, not saying you're better, just saying, hey, I'm white and I'm Christian and it's okay, I'm proud of that. I'm not saying I'm better than people because of my race. I'm saying I'm proud of it. Once you say that, you're a Nazi, racist, you know, dirtbag. And that is what needs to change. Whether people get angry or not, it's time white people stood up. Because for far too long, white people have been the target of every other religion and every other race. Just last week in Georgia, a, two, a second grader, a second grader in elementary school, uh, I may have mentioned this last week, was given a white privilege paper by his teacher. His teacher, a white liberal, gave all the white second graders in the class a pamphlet detailing white privilege. That is racism. Okay? And when the mother and father of those children say, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. You're singling out my kid because he's white. They get called racist. Jewish people always get to make fun of Christians. Muslims make fun of Christians. 
every other race, every yep. race and religion targets white. And I'm not saying all people of all religions. I'm just saying yeah. white Christians are the number one target in the United States and around the world. It's just a fact, and it's about yep. time we stood up. So getting angry is normal. Yep. Yeah. Here, I got Tim. I got Tim back on the phone. Tim back. Tim is back on the phone, Zolo. I got, uh, and I know Steve. You wanted to talk to Tim too, right? No, I did not. <laughs> Tim. Uh, no, I thought you guys took about me. I got a, I got a message no. saying thank you for listening to Blog Talk Radio. Then click. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. We didn't hang up on you. Well, but, but can we just say that the only time Jesus used violence was against the money changers? And the big thing that I've been advocating for about the past ten years has been exactly that. Um, I'm an expert in the financial system, so when the other guest was trying to uh, nail me on a few different little gotcha questions, just I was referred to – I mean, I'm a certified financial planner, which is actually a higher uh, designation or degree that the last caller had in. Uh, and I was recently at a uh, conference down in Mexico, uh, a big Bitcoin conference, where it was I was a, uh, a speaker on this subject uh, dealing with the Federal Reserve, and today's money changers are the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve system, we are in high-tech slavery right now because what happens is the very first dollar that was ever printed when the Fed was created in 1913 had interest on it, at 4% interest on it. So how do you ever pay back? So after one year, you would owe a dollar four. And so how do you ever pay back a dollar four with a dollar? You've got to borrow another dollar. So now you're in debt, you know, 204, and at the end of two years, you're in debt, you know, 208, and you, it keeps, it's a high-tech system of slavery, and what I'm dedicated to right now is trying to break that, and through blockchain technology, you can actually break that, and what really pissed me off with Donald Trump is that as a candidate, he was railing against the Federal Reserve. There's quote, there's tweets that he made about, it's so important to audit the Fed, and I can't believe Ted Cruz missed this, and we've got to get rid of Janet Yellen. Well, guess what? He replaced Janet Yellen with Jerome Powell, who is basically the exact clone. And so I'm only passionate, just like Rory's passionate right now, is because I know that right now it's going to, there was a lot of Ron Paul supporters that put Donald Trump over the edge, a lot of libertarians that said fuck the Libertarian oh. Party, including myself, that put him over the edge. And he's going to have a very, very hard time winning those people over when it's business as usual at the Fed. However, he does have a uh, – he's in a rock and a hard place right now because if he told the truth, everything would collapse and he'd get the blame. And if he, uh, you know, perpetuates some of the same things that are going on, then, you know, he'll get the, get the blame eventually when some sort of cyclical uh, crash will eventually happen. Go ahead, I need to ask you a question. So, so as of right now, you do not support Donald Trump. No, I'm saying I support the president when he's doing good things, and I will call him out okay. when he's doing bad things. And he, as a candidate, on multiple occasions, criticized the Syrian response, okay. criticized Syrian airstrikes. Okay. Now let me. I'm going to respond to that. So, do you believe that when you become president, things might be a little different, and you can't get everything done that you wanted to in a year for or a year and a half, for example? I know that Donald Trump's going to build the wall. As a matter of fact, I promise you it will be built. That doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Just because he said something about Syrian airstrikes in 2000 right, or whatever. That's the least of my concerns is the wall. I mean, I, I, was just I giving didn't an even example. mention the wall. And... I was just giving an example. Syrian airstrikes. So he said he was against Syrian airstrikes, but he became president. So 
it's out of your possibility, right, for you to say, wait, maybe he became president, was privy to information that we don't have. That's not an option for you. Your op- the option is he's, he's, been, um, he, he's throwing bones to the neoconservatives. Is that what you're saying? I think he's trying to prove that he's not a Russian agent, and he could drop 50 fucking bo- uh, nitrogen bombs on top, of, on top of Syria, and they would still accuse him of being a Russian agent. So I, I'm at the very least, present the evidence to Congress, unless it's posing an imminent threat to America, which there is no imminent threat being posed to America to launch that strike. Go to Congress. You don't say authorize a strike and then strike them. I mean, is it that, is that hard? It's like saying, I don't want to fight you. I just want to go and punch you in the face surgically. So if I punch you in the face surgically, it's not a fight. And, like, it's, it's ridiculous, the argument you're making. And uh, just because other presidents have done it, what if Hillary? We're dealing with a chemical weapons strike. Regardless of who, who issued the strike, uh, chemical weapons are a no, we blamed Assad. No, we blame. We, it's one thing if we said we know this is Al Qaeda. Wait, 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 wait. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> dropping bombs on chemical weapons, research facilities, oh and storage facilities. Period. Specifically, end of story. We're not dropping bombs on Syria. We're not dropping bombs on Assad, or what? Or we we tend to recall these moderates, or you know, it's it's a chemical weapons attack. That happened, and that is the red line that for a long, long time cannot be crossed. Just because our last president was, you know, a leader from leading from behind and weak on every foreign policy he had, this president is not. It was strictly chemical weapons. Hey, go ahead, James. Hey, uh, so I was just regarding Donald Trump, the only libertarian aspects of him with his non interventionist policy. When did he ever talk about auditing the Fed or going to a gold standard? I don't remember that being part of his, or at least at the center of his agenda. Or was he, he, had, a, he had a tweet. Part of his yeah, I didn't say it was the center. He had he, a tweet to when Ted, Cruz, when Ted Cruz missed the audit the Fed vote. His tweet was something along the lines of, Ted, like, whatever it is, whatever the name he had for Ted Cruz, forgot it was, you know, Lion Ted. Lion you know, Ted. Can't believe, can't believe he... Can't believe he missed the audit the Fed vote. Dot dot dot. So important. So what? So uh, what? So I mean the entire because you don't understand. It's like if I'm trying to argue with a dog what the color red is, and you don't know what the color red. If you don't know what the Federal Reserve system is and how it works, that's the high tech slavery that we're underneath right now. Who said that? Who? Because obviously, if you're not obviously if you're not upset. I said, what is the big fucking deal about a tweet? Like, right, then tell, tell us what the, then tell us what the Fed is. What's the difference between the Fed and the Treasury? Don't fucking give me your bullshit. I'm not going to let you come on here and give me your fucking liberal bullshit. Because at the end of the day, all you are is a fucking liberal. So Donald Trump said in 2011 that he was going to audit the Fed. And then he said, oh, my God. Uh, 2016, 2016, dipshit. Oh, okay, okay, but, I'm sorry. Only well, oh, yeah, when he was running for ago. president. Only it was two and a half years ago. big thing about auditing the Fed. I don't remember it being a big part of Donald Trump's agenda. Like, it was for sure yeah. part of Ron Paul's, part of Rand Paul's. But I don't, I don't remember Donald Trump saying this was like – because, like, it's not interventionist policy. I understand why you're mad at Syria. Because that was a huge part of his agenda, is we're not going to go into these wars. And we can say that he's not. We can say that these strikes were nothing. But that's what my point is. You claim to be mad over Syria than you do over his lack of involvement of auditing the Fed. That was just my two cents. I'm 
That's what I'm sure. Well, that was just that's just one in a long line of things. I mean, right now the debt is absolutely exploding, even faster than Obama. The debt, uh, the GDP last that's year underneath important. Trump was 2.3 percent. It was 2.2 percent. He the, the, debt, the debt grew by 100 billion dollars just what two was, weeks in March what was alone. Donald Trump's first year deficit. Tim, you're wrong. Tim, why do you say this? The first year, yeah, the first year deficit was, Obama, was Obama's budget. Tim, Barack Tim you're Obama's wrong about the year deficit was $1.6 trillion. You're telling me Donald Trump's first year deficit is more than that? Uh, you can't compare at the height of the recession uh, to – you can't compare 2009. Hey, come on, Tim. Come on. You can't okay, compare 2009 okay. to 2018. 2010, Obama's debt a deficit in the second year was, I believe, 1.4 trillion. Yeah, Trump we have higher tax revenues now, and we're just, yeah, we're on our way to a 1.2 trillion dollar deficit this year. Okay, wait, no, we're not. Who we're is, not. Who is the more economy is more powerful than ever before? We've never seen the economy this good. Or, I mean, everything amazing is happening. There's not one bad thing happening in this economy. Companies keep growing, coming back, building new factories. I mean, this isn't – this is visible. It's in front of our eyes, and if that's the truth. I mean, I don't, I don't, know, that, I don't know how much more to say it. Um, wait, wait. Let, but wait here, can I ask him one more question? What? I just want to ask him one more quick question. I'm sorry, man. You just got off. Hold on. I have two oh, minutes. Okay. Hold on. I would love to ask him if, if who he believes is the real problem, Donald Trump or the fucking rhinos in Congress? Because he seems right. to be having a, a lot of problems with fucking Trump, but I haven't heard him mention we got a fucking left. Paul Ryan so, and Mitch McConnell. I'm going to – you guys, I mean, as, as great as the uh, heated argument was getting, it was – I got to go. Cause, uh, and all of you, just to remind – Gianni, are you on? I haven't heard him. Gianni. Gianni. I don't think Gianni's been on tonight, man. He's on. I, I see his number. Um, okay. But um, anyways, guys, um, I got a minute left. It's been a great show. We've had a lot of great guests. Um, I, uh, Joe Arpaio, America's Tough. Um, hold on one second. Tim, Tim, you're back on the line, man. But we got it. We got yeah, a I don't know what left. I don't know what keeps I don't know what keeps happening. But uh, yeah, but we got, I mean, we got a minute the, left. I, I I gotta go. We got a minute left. I gotta go. You can come back on tomorrow and debate Zolo uh, before um, our famous America's toughest sheriff Joe Arpaio comes on. Joe Arpaio comes on tomorrow night. You can come on and debate Zolo before that happens. But I have 40 seconds. I can't go on any longer. Uh, thanks for uh, and, uh, Sheriff, Sheriff Joe is actually giving I me, mean, you guys are, are calling me liberal. I mean, every point that I'm making is actually more concerned. All righty, guys. Um, I hope you all, um, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow night when you guys call in. Have a good night. You too, bro. Later, Steve. Later, man. All right. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to the Rory Sauter Show and listening. It's been a real honor. Um, you know, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I tune in tomorrow night for my exclusive interview with Joe Sheriff Joe Arpaio, America's toughest sheriff. We'll be having a long interview with him. It'll be a great time. We have a lot set up for this week, and we can't wait to share it with you. 
Um, good night. I'm Rory Sauter. Thank you for listening. God bless. Cheers, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.